Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program, and to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice, and this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I am going to be giving you some insights from the trenches on online mediation. Um, So what I'm really going to be revealing are some of the survey results to a recent survey that a colleague and I, Dr. Deborah Dupree, you you may remember Dr. D, she uh, joined us for the episode on how to create empathy and to manage emotions online, one of my most popular episodes. So if you haven't listened to that one, I encourage you to go back. But Dr. Deborah and I um, started a survey um, in aid of a project that we're working on with two other colleagues, Harold Coleman of the AAA and Mark Lassiter, um, who is a very well-known um, arbitrator, mediator, and advocate. Um, and we've been working on an advanced online mediation uh, training series And we thought it would be a good idea to get some information from the trenches, from those of you out there who are doing the work day in and day out, to find out what you think of working in the virtual world, what you think about doing dispute resolution in the virtual world, and importantly, what you think you need more of in order to do it well or to continue doing it. So Dr. Deborah and I just revealed some of the results this past weekend at the Southern California Mediation Association's annual fall conference, which was virtual for the first time ever. And we really um, had a very interested crowd. It was a wonderful presentation because there was a great deal of feedback. In fact, we had the participants in the conference who came to the presentation take the survey but we also went through some of the results. Now, in this episode, I won't be able to go through every single question that's in the survey, but I've picked out the the most important ones to online practitioners. Um, And if you have not yet taken the survey, please go to the show notes because I will have a link to the survey and we would love to hear what you think. This is an ongoing survey. as, As I've talked about in other episodes, the input and the field of virtual mediation, virtual dispute resolution is going to be ever evolving and quickly evolving. Just think about what the world was like in March, April, May 2020 and what it's like now as I record this episode in November 2020. And I guarantee, you know, a few months from now, there will be new things to talk about um, and new advances. So, This is information that is always going to be important to us 
And again, I encourage you to please go take the survey and let your voice be heard because some of the survey covers what it is we as practitioners feel we need to do what we do in a virtual world and do it better. And um, as we all as educators go out there to try to help our colleagues, this will help to inform our future trainings. So for those of you who are watching this on video, I'm going to throw up the slide deck that we used um, in the presentation this past uh, weekend. For those of you who are not watching it, that I'm, I will be describing everything, so don't feel that you will be missing anything. But if you want to see the virtual, if you want to see the slide deck, please feel free to go to the Learn to Mediate Online uh, YouTube station or go to the website learntomediateonline.com. So the first slide here is just our title slide, but let me just give you a little... Um, advance here. So this is Dr. Deborah Dupree. She is my friend and colleague. She's a mediator. She's a psychologist and an online educator. And she's in my former home of San Diego. Um, she is one of my new board member, fellow board members for the Southern California Mediation Association. So welcome to the board, Deborah. And this, this survey was actually Deborah's yeah, grew out of her prolific brain um, and something that we worked on together. So a few of the things, you know, what we wanted to know, what do dispute resolution professionals really think about online mediation? As online trainers, as online educators, as online practitioners ourselves, we aren't sure we're hearing everything everyone has to, to say about this. We also wanted to learn from other mediators and dispute resolution professionals on what they think about ODR. And we want you to have an opportunity to speak your voice. So as we said in the presentation this past weekend, we had everyone taking the survey as well. And it was interesting, for the most part, the in-person survey at the conference very closely mirrored what we had heard from our prior participants. And then we also just had a focus on both practical applications of what we've learned and the psychological underpinnings, thank you, Dr. Deborah, of the online medium. And it was all it's all geared to help you take your virtual practice to the next level. So the first question that I wanted to focus in on was which of the following are the preferred devices for your online connection, which you would practice on? Um, and this really came down to two main answers, and I was happy to see them. Number one, by far, was laptop computer, and number two, by far, was desktop computer. Um, everything else, computer, tablet, uh, smartphone, those were much, much smaller. And I, 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 again, I applaud that if you've heard me speak on uh, equipment setup and uh, the necessary equipment to be an online practitioner, you know that I highly recommend that you use a laptop or desktop computer. Most of the online platforms and the other programs, things like e-signatures, document uh, production, creation, uh, payment platforms, all those things work better for the most part on an online plat on a uh, computer or a desktop um, computer, laptop or desktop. One thing that we didn't ask, and I think that you know it's because our sample 
uh, community is fellow mediators, fellow practitioners, is we do not know what the participants are using, what the clients, what the advocates, what the experts, um, et cetera, how, how those participants are logging on. Are they also using a desktop computer and laptop computer? And that may be information that would be helpful for us to know. As you know, I highly recommend that you also suggest to your participants that they log on if possible. I understand not everyone has one, but if they have a computer, a desktop or laptop, I always recommend my participants log on that way. Certainly my least favorite uh I guess, device to log on from would be a phone. And I've talked to, about that also in some of my prior episodes. But just to reiterate, one of the main issues around a phone, one, is if you're using breakout rooms, those are not functioning if you're the practitioner on your iOS tablet or phone. But importantly for everyone, since so much of the communication is through the um the facial expressions of the participants. When you participate on a phone, the video thumbnails are so very small just by virtue of the size of an iPhone or a, a smartphone that it makes for uh, a lesser communication uh, capability just because you can't see everyone's faces clearly. And there are different things you can do. You can have them maximize speaker view um, so that they are looking at the person, excuse me, who is his speaking, the issue there is then you're not getting the subtle uh, facial cues on other people's faces as they hear someone else speak. So there's a give and take with that. Now, our next question was, which video platform do you prefer for your online work? And no surprises here. By, I mean, by far, <laughs> it was Zoom. Zoom is, you know, and this is anecdotally what I hear day in and day out. Everyone is using Zoom. But we did have a couple of people who mentioned um, they were, for the most part, people who are working with individuals in the insurance uh, world, in the insurance arena, who said that many of the insurance companies do not allow their, their employees to participate through Zoom. Um, most of those people said in the um, alternative that they were using WebEx or Microsoft Teams. I did have a couple of participants say they are using Legler, which I find very... Uh, you know, uh, very positive, as I've mentioned. And um, we actually uh, have had um, a few different programs where we spoke about it. But the number one episode that of all time for the Learn to Mediate Online podcast is the episode with Simon Bomey talking about alternative platforms to Zoom. Legaler is one of those platforms. And in, for, in fact, since that episode aired, Simon has taken a position with Legaler um, as the vice president of, I believe it's, it's, um, Oh goodness, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with the term. It's the vice president of relationships. Yay, got it. Um, so definitely reach out to Simon if you want to know more about Legaler. But I also, as you know, I I'm a fan of Modrin. I'm a fan of RDO Resolve Disputes Online. But by far, 
you are all using Zoom or most people are using Zoom. And the, the big positive there is, one, we do know that Zoom provides what we need to provide, right? It, it does what we need a, um, a platform to do. It has the functionality we need. It also has um, familiarity, because everyone's using it, everyone is familiar with it. And so we have less of a, a need to make it accessible to people or do more explaining. Now, question seven, what contributes to the success of in-person mediation? We wanted to see what people feel contributes to the success of in-person to see if it translates to online. So this was, you know, this was a mixed bag. People could pick several different uh, answers. Uh, the number one one was the ability to sense the emotions of the participants. Uh, next up was the ability to create rapport, the ability to view body language, um, and the ease of in-person communication. Those were really the top five, all of most of which have to do with communication and that interpersonal feeling, right? That, that ability to create rapport, the ability to sense the emotions. Um, and, and it's interesting that people feel that this is so much of what contributes to the success of in-person because I would say the same, all of these apply to online. Um, and so that is an interesting factor for me because I think you can still sense the emotions. We've talked about especially with the inflection in voice that you can hear through the video audio, as well as seeing the uh, expression on people's faces, which is such a large part of communication, we can sense other people's emotions online. We uh, have the ability to create rapport. In fact, we have a whole episode on that with Dr. Deborah. Um, we can control and manage their emotions because it's actually been shown, as we discussed in that episode with Dr. Deborah, um, that people who are going through conflict are actually uh, producing less stress hormones when they are through seeing each other through a screen than if they are in the same room or in the same physical space with the person they're in conflict with. So we actually find that people are better able to control their emotions and they're in a more supportive atmosphere, which also helps them keep that emotional content down. So many of the things that people feel contribute to the sex success of in-person mediation do translate to the online platform, which is encouraging. Now, what gets in the way of reaching resolution via in-person mediation? So these are the things that get in the way when we're in the same room. And this one came up, you know, I, I don't think there's any... Um, any surprise here that entrenched positions came in up at the very top, right behind it, close behind it, were advocates unhelpful to the process, um, dispute not ready for resolution. Um, we all know, and I always found it to be most often when people were being referred by the court or were stuck in a process where they were referred for mediation, but the case wasn't ready for resolution for some reason. Discovery wasn't done. Positions weren't um, ascertained. Something had, you know, failed to be done to make this case ready to settle. You didn't have a necessary party there. Interestingly, lack of pre-mediation preparation, which could go very much to what I was just talking about, um, 
that applies in person as well. And I'm always talking about pre-mediation preparation for online mediation, because I think with the online virtual uh, proceeding, you absolutely have to do pre-mediation prep. You have to prep people ahead of time before that first session. So it was interesting because, again, uh, many of these are just, you know, things that are going to happen whether you're online or in person. Um, and again, we have both the good and the bad that translate to virtual mediation. So let me go on to the next question, which is, what do you feel contributes to the success of online mediation? And here's where we start to see that you know people are catching on that there are benefits to online mediation that go beyond social distancing as i always am talking about number 1 by far easier to regulate emotions that goes exactly to what i was just talking about people are in a place of comfort and safety when they can participate from their home or their a place that they know their office or something like that rather than some stranger's office they also are just more capable of controlling their emotional content and regulating their emotions when they are online as opposed to sitting facing each other across a conference room table or knowing the other person's down the hall. Ease of communication. That was number two. And I love that because it's one of those things that people think it's going to be harder often. I hear this anecdotally all the time that people going into their first online mediation will think it's going to be harder to communicate. And in fact, they find that it's very easy to communicate. I always say people very quickly forget they are in an online virtual world and they just start talking to each other as if they were right there. Now, a few others that I do think are, are relevant, it's a visual experience. I've talked about the fact that I think that because people can see much of what's going on, because we can, as mediators and participants, throw up visual aids, things like charts, things like calculations, things like um, you know uh, spreadsheets to show what things are doing. We can show documents. We can show pleadings. Because it's so visual and because people process things visually, much faster than what they hear audibly. Um, that is also very critical. So it was interesting. What do people think gets in the way of achieving a resolution via online mediation? So now we've gone from what helps us resolve matters online to what gets in the way. And this was interesting and, and actually not surprising for any of you who have taken my um, online mediation course. You know, I always say it's not if technical issues are going to happen, it's when te technical issues are going to happen because they will. And that was the number one answer. Technical issues is by far the number one thing that people feel get in the way of a resolution online. Now to that, I would say, are they true technical issues? Are they issues where somebody's Wi-Fi you know, authentically goes out. I had that happen just the other day while I was in the middle of giving a presentation. My Wi-Fi just stopped. Um, or is it technical issues because people are not familiar with the platform or are set up improperly or don't have the right bandwidth connection? Um, so th that's something that's really important, I think, for us to consider as online practitioners. Are we doing enough 
to make sure that people are set up properly for the technology. And you all know my number one tip is to have a tech um, technical failure protocol. You have to have the lifesaver. I call it the lifesaver. You have to have a protocol in place that you advise everyone who's participating of ahead of time. What's going to happen if there's a technical issue? The technical issue often is when someone will get booted off of the meeting for some reason, usually a, an internet issue you need to let them know what's going to happen. And so if this is what's getting in the way of resolution, it doesn't have to. And if you have a good protocol, then it's really very easy in most cases for people either to sign back on, use the hotspot on their cell phone. And if their Wi-Fi has gone out, tell them to use the 5G, 5G um, hotspot on their phone. It's actually, in many cases, a better connection than most people's Wi-Fi. Um, so they can or log on just directly from the phone so that they can participate. Worst case scenario, have them call in so that they can participate. Um, that means that you are not getting in the way of resolution. You are not stopping the resolution. You're just pivoting to deal with the technological issue, the technical issues. Now, a couple other uh, answers I do think have, you know, some interesting connotations there. Participants uncomfortable with the online platform. And again, I would say this isn't so much something that should get in the way. It's good to know that we think this, but what can we do about it? We help the people become familiar with the platform ahead of the mediation. And I've done that, you know, I've, ta I've talked about the importance of doing pre-mediation conferences. I've talked about the importance when you're getting your advocates ready to offer them a practice session. Make sure that the technology and people's comfort with whatever platform you're using is not something that is going to be an issue. And that is the responsibility, I feel, of the professional, at the very least, to raise it with the advocates so that they can onboard their clients. But that is a truly important issue that does not need to be something that gets in the way of a resolution for an online um, inability to assess body language. This one's kind of been, for the most part, debunked. If I, um, you know, I hear pretty much every day about the fact that we can't see the tapping foot anymore. Um, everybody wants to talk about the tapping foot um, or the person who's shaking their leg underneath the table. Well, let me point out, first of all, often you're not seeing a tapping foot or, or leg under the table because you're seeing above the table. But, you know, again, remember that people, if, if you're taking that as a sign of tension or agitation or whatever you're taking it as, if you are looking into people's faces, you're seeing how they're holding their shoulders, a great deal of that communication comes straight through. It's not just in the tapping foot. We need to tune in into other signals that people have. But most of the people that I talk to in the end, don't feel that they are unable to assess body language. We just have to get better at reading expressions. Um, so the next question, 
I, this is where, you know, the real meat of this is. And this is where I'd love to hear from you because the question is what additional skills are needed to be more successful online? What do you as practitioners want to know or want, you know, to be taught so that you can be more successful online? And by far, again, the number one answer at almost, I think it was about 65% of of participants chose more strategies for online success. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, I take that to mean that people want to have more strategies, more of an understanding of how the process should look online and if it should be different than what they're doing in person. And that, I think, is something that will be very personal to each mediator. Some of us have, you know, I've always said we all have our mediation signature. Um, And if in person you have a signature or a process that you always follow or mostly follow, and you're finding that difficult to transition online, I would encourage you to spend some time to to think about what it is about what you're doing in person that you find so valuable and explore ways to do that online. Uh, Because there is definitely, usually almost always, so definitely usually almost always, a way to transition whatever you're doing in person to online. Indeed, you can even, somebody, you know, said, well, you can't give someone a hug or pat their hand. And as Dr. Deborah pointed out in her um, Creating Rapport, Managing Emotions uh, episode, you may not be able to physically touch people, but you can still touch them emotionally. And she suggested, um, as one example, to describe what you would do. I can see, John, that this is very upsetting to you. If we were in person, I'd reach out and touch your hand right now or I'd pat you know tap you pat you on the shoulder um you know or ask you if that if you you know needed a break um or, you know whatever that might be but we have the ability to transition it's hard for us to make those changes because because we've gotten so used to doing the things that we do the one way or the main way that we do them but very often you can you can transition online there are other strategies you know one of the things that I talk about a lot is because the online um, platform is so visual and because people respond so well to what is visual, let's use more visual aids. Think about how you can incorporate into your online practice using more whiteboard, using more you know, written notations, using more charts, using more forms, using more written documents. That is very helpful to people. People also say they want more practice with Zoom or whatever platform they're using. I always encourage, you know, almost all of us belong to professional organizations. If you don't, I highly recommend you look at Southern California Mediation Association or the ABA um, section of Dispute Resolution, my two favorite organizations. But, you know, a lot of us belong to professional organizations. Get some of your colleagues together and do a Zoom practice group or do a legaler practice group. Or, you know, they all, almost all of the platforms have free webinars or get on with family and friends. You know, it's very important to practice. I I will never, I ask you please to not underestimate that. And please don't assume just because you know how to do a meeting, you know how to do a mediation. They are different things. You need to practice your skills. But the practice is on you. 
Um, nobody can do that one for you. And so that is something that needs to be, we need a little um, forward momentum uh, on our own to set up those practice groups. Um, my, my, one of my colleagues in the ABA DR section was doing um, those, those practice sessions and setting them up for professionals. And it was very popular for a while, but then people stopped wanting to do that. So it was assumed that people sort of felt they were ready to go. What I've found anecdotally as I've participated as an advocate in some mediations, as many mediators are not ready and do not have the practice that they need. Um, so I do encourage you to, to get out and do that um, so that, you know, do the practice, get the practice in so that you feel more comfortable. And then just one other area that I don't want to let go because people were looking for tips on how to minimize Zoom fatigue. Now I have a whole episode on Zoom fatigue, but I, I think that this points out for all of us again just how real Zoom fatigue is. Uh, the fact that it has become a term that's a part of our vernacular already, I think is really important for all of us. Um, it's a very real thing. I, I feel, you know, I've drained into the earth by the end of a day of sitting on this chair and talking into the screen, and we all do. So a few things are to, you know, make for shorter sessions, take greater breaks, make sure you build in breaks in between sessions. Um, I always make sure that participants have the ability and know it's perfectly okay to ask for a break. Um, try to use a background that is with minimal distractions. The more participants you have, the more background you have. And sometimes it's perfectly okay to just turn off the video um, if people, if it's easier for people for a little while to just go with audio. So our next question, do you plan to continue your services via online platforms after COVID? Um, so this one I was really interested to see because um, as you all know, I went online fully a couple of years ago. So for me, there's still, there is no question, but how are you all feeling about it? So this answer, I, I mean, warmed my heart. <laughs> Both online and in-person was the number one answer. Over 70% of the respondents said that they were going to continue both online and in person. And 50%, over 50% said they were just going to be online from here on out, COVID or no COVID. And there, I think, is the most telling because clearly for us as professionals, there are benefits that far exceed social distancing and many benefits. These are the things that I've been talking about for the more than two, maybe three years that I've been training professionals how to get online. It had, when I started doing it, it had nothing to do with COVID. It had nothing to do with quarantine. I, I did it out of necessity because I had moved cross country and needed to still work with clients back on the East Coast, but I quickly found how many benefits there were. Um, and that's what led me to go fully online more than two years ago. So I thought that this was really fun um, that, that I, and oh, and by the way, nobody plans to return, at least who's, who's participated in our poll, nobody plans to return solely to in-person. Now, what are the benefits of offering services online? So this is that deeper dive into why people are planning on continuing online. And there were a lot of answers here, but the convenience, 
the minimized travel, efficiency, more accessible to more people, ease of access, safety, less emotional intensity was actually the least, the one that was least uh, chosen. Um, convenience was number one. But the fact that all of them were chosen, um, and many of them well over 50%, everyone was over 50%, except for the low, less emotional intensity. So there again, it's clear that despite any reservations we might have or difficulties we've might had, we as professionals are seeing the benefits of online services. So the next question, uh, oh, we, we've hit the end. You know what? I forgot I had taken out the last question there. So I, I again, um, really encourage you, if you have not taken this poll, please go to the link in my um in the show notes and just get, you know, let us know what you think. Give us your opinions. This is your chance to be heard or just send me a DM, send me an email. If there are things that you want to learn or you want to hear about, let us know because that's how you're going to get that information. That's how a, a podcast episode on that, you know, that topic will get made. I listen to you and I want to bring you the information that you're looking for. So please take the survey. Please go to learntomediateonline.com and leave me a message or reach out to me at susan at learntomediateonline.com. Let us know what you need. And please go check out Dr. Deborah's um, podcast. As I mentioned, she has an episode on my show, but she ha also has her own um, episode and I'll have uh, her own show and I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you for joining us for the survey results and I'll be seeing you soon next week. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating and tell me what you did like in a review. Join me each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to hear another episode, and be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss one. Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com and you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com. I'll see you next week.